All right, uh, so we're in Ruth. We're almost near the end. We have this week and next week, and then we'll look toward Christmas. But if you remember, Ruth, wow, Christmas, all right. Katie, yes, all right. It's an active crowd today, watch out. Uh, Ruth was a, a poor widow. Uh, she just so happens, we use that word, like chapter one, it was like, it so happens, and we said that so happens means the providence of God. That when God uses supernatural and natural circumstances to accomplish what his ultimate will is. She just so happened to work in a field belonging to a godly man named Boaz. He was a man of standing. That first date happened. They talked for a little while. That was last week. He offered her more than what she needed. So let's just modernize that for a minute. Sparks were flying. He made her laugh. She made him feel special. There was no awkward silence. They started finishing each other's sentences. They both had butterflies. For some of you, that's a long time ago. You remember that. Then after their first date, nothing happened. There was nothing. It was like Boaz ghosted Ruth. There was no follow-up call. There was no courtesy text. There was no simple text that just read, did you make it home okay? He didn't even follow her on social media. She's confused. Seven weeks of harvest go by. The harvest is almost over. She's scratching her head thinking, maybe I read into something. Maybe I came on too strong. Maybe I was too forward. Maybe I didn't shower. Remember last week? I was working in the field all day. I should have taken a shower. I just blew it all together. Or maybe she asked that question we all ask. What did I do wrong? So Naomi, the mother-in-law, remember the mother-in-law, steps into the conversation and says this, Ruth. It's time for you to define the relationship. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, this is that dreaded official talk where a couple determines the level of commitment in the relationship. Are we just friends? Are we more than friends? Can we date exclusively? Now, in life, we all have to define our relationship. And today, we're going to look at Ruth and Boaz defining their relationship, but then you and I need to define our relationship with God. If you have your Bibles, Ruth chapter 3, okay? So Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. Now, whenever we read God's Word, it always tells us something about us, and it tells us something about God. So view yourself in this story, Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law Naomi said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you. In other words, it's time for you to get out of our house. Where you will be well provided for. Verse 2, now Boaz, with whose woman you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. In other words, in Hebrew, that means we've got to find you a man, okay? 
It happened to be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. What in the world does winnowing barley on the threshing floor even mean? Well, this would be a place that after the harvest, you would go and you would take all the harvest, all that you had to a platform in a field. And then you would take everything that you've harvested and throw it up in the air. The westward wind, in this case, would separate the wheat from the shaft. This would basically determine how much good stuff you got. Here's what you can eat. Here's what you can sell. And so essentially, when we read the word winnowing in the field, they're determining how good of a harvest it is. So you're at the end of the harvest. You have Boaz at the threshing floor about to gather all the workers. What are they going to do? They're actually going to have a party. Everyone's going to get paid. Naomi is thinking they're going to have a party tonight, and she begins to strategize. Naomi, the mother-in-law, begins to strategize. Little sidebar, some of you are strategizing for kids that still live in your home. She's thinking... Okay, Ruth, Boaz is going to be there. He's going to be in a good mood because it's been a good harvest. So here's what we're going to do. Look at verse 3. You can't believe this is in the Bible. Wash. Wash. Put on perfume. Get dressed in your best, best clothes. That's in the NIV. I'm not, this is not the New Living Translation here. Wash. Put on perfume. Get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. Okay, you can let your mind go, some imagination there. What a great place to start. If you're wanting to have any kind of relationship whatsoever, you can write this down, you need to wash. And that's today's message. Uh, Wash, put on perfume, get dressed. Well, what's she thinking? She's thinking, well, the last time that he saw you, you were a total mess. You had dirt in your fingernails, your hair was ratty. Make sure you show up looking good. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you're there until he has finished eating and drinking. See, I told you last week this was going to be a little bit weird. Let him finish his food because we all know that men are happier after they finish eating. You can see the strategy behind it. Can you start to see it now? What I want you to do is get all dressed up. I want you to wait until he's had a few drinks. Then here's what I want you to do. Look at verse 4. This is where it gets crazy. Stay with me. When he lies down, note the place that he's, he's lying down. Then go, uncover his feet, and lie down. Boaz will tell you what to do. Look at verse 5. I will do whatever you say, mother-in-law. Verse 6. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. Some of you are thinking, I wouldn't do what my mother-in-law told me, but stay with me, okay? He's going to actually do that because he's going to sleep by the prophets because he doesn't want anybody to steal it. So he's going to sleep by the stuff Then when he's asleep, go and cover his feet and lie down. He'll tell you what to do. So Ruth is listening to her mother-in-law and says, I'll do it. 
Now, as a pastor or as a dad, I have never given such advice. I will not give such advice. But what in the world is Naomi doing? What was she advising Ruth? Seriously, sneak up by the bed, uncover his feet, and wait for him. Now, I did some research on this text to uncover some real spiritual meaning, truthfully. Here's what I found. There's differing opinions. Let me give you some theories, okay? One theory is that when she said uncover his feet, that was a euphemism saying uncover more about him, find out a little bit more about him, find out some more information about him. In my seminary opinion, that one's dumb, but nevertheless, it's a theory. Another theory is that Naomi is actually telling Ruth to be aggressive, to do whatever it takes to get his attention. That's just a theory no one knows. Here's the one I would lean toward. Other people would say that Naomi is saying, hey, trust God's sovereignty. Just so happens. And trust Boaz's integrity. We know he's a man of God. We know he's a man of standing. We know that he loves God. Just kind of put yourself in the right place at the right time. And the right God is going to bring you the right man. What we do know is that Naomi is suggesting that Ruth be a little bit forward because why? Because Boaz, do we remember this? Is the guardian redeemer, the kinsman redeemer? This is potentially the man that can help for her, that can help provide for her and protect her and be a spiritual covering. So her mother-in-law, Naomi, is saying, hey, you might want to give him a little hint along the way. This is matology. Don't put it in your notes. This is for the benefit of the ladies. Some men need a little bit of encouragement. The secret is that most men are very insecure. Some of you would say, that's no secret. I've been living with him for 30 years. But some of us are insecure. We need a little bit of help. We need a signal. So Ruth goes down and lies down at his feet. She's waiting by his bed. Now, I need to be very, 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 very clear for a moment. This is one of those passages in Scripture that's descriptive, not prescriptive. In other words, this is what happened in the Bible. This is not the Bible telling you to do the same thing. The, the Bible puts stuff in there when people don't always get it right. When sometimes they do dumb things or really, really dumb things. One is just to say that you and I will never get it always right, but to show us the encouraging truth that is found in the book of Ruth. That is this. That even if you don't get it right, God can still make it right. Let me say that again. Even if you don't get it right, God can still make it right. Even if you don't do everything by the book all the time, God is still working. So some of you right now, if you're in a relationship and you're making mistakes, just know you serve a God who's a redemptive God. He's a forgiving God. He's a gracious God. He works in all things. He can take the places that we break things. It can actually, he can actually make them better than new. Now, that last statement doesn't give you the permission to be dumb. Look at verse 7 in Ruth chapter 3. 
When Boaz had finished eating and drinking, he was in good spirits. He went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached him quietly. Do you see Ruth sneaking in there, uncovered his feet? She laid down in the middle of the night. Something startled the man. He turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? Verse 9. I'm your servant, Ruth. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are the guardian redeemer of our family. What do you think this means? He was in a really good mood. He was in good spirits. He went over to lie down at the far end of the the grain pile and Ruth, remember, smelling good, she washed, looking good, uncovered his feet and laid down. She startled him. Who are you? I'm your servant, Ruth. What is that guardian, redeemer, kinsman, redeemer? One more time. It's going to be on the screen. It's a relative who had the responsibility and privilege to provide for a family member in time of need. What would happen is if there was a widow, her husband who would have died would typically have a brother and that brother would have the spiritual responsibility to provide for her and protect that widow That was the guardian or kinsman redeemer. But who is Boaz? Remember last week? He's a distant guardian redeemer. He's not anywhere near the closest one and didn't have any legal right or obligation to provide for her. She says, would you cover me up? Would you be my guardian redeemer? Many scholars would say this, that she was saying, would you be my spiritual covering? Would you be the one that saves me? Well, is she actually proposing to him? I'm not sure she's proposing, but she is being straightforward. You could say she's encouraging him to propose if she's not proposing. Believe it or not, and this is true, And you're going to laugh. You're going to think I'm making it up. So again, along the way, sometimes you have to help each other to move things forward. Boaz is in good spirits. She's by her bed. She grabs the covers. What does she do? Did they have sex that night? The answer is no, they didn't. I'll show you why in a moment, which raises one of the most important questions that people dating ask when it comes to physical interaction. And the question simply is, how far is too far? What's legal? What's not legal? I want to know everything. That's what people tend to ask. And we want to know how close we can get to the line just in life. How far is too far? If I go 110, is that too far? How about 120? Is that too far? Where's the line? I'll give you a verse in the Bible that actually really gives us some good insight to where the line actually falls. Song of Solomon, verse chapter 8, verse 4 says this, Promise me, O women of of Jerusalem, not to awaken love until the time is right. A wise person, if they want to honor God with purity, isn't going to get as close to the line as possible. We're actually going to give us some safety measures. We're going to stay away from the line. We do this all the time. A pilot's goal is not to crash, and you're very thankful for that. It's a goal. 
I've never once had a pilot say on the intercom, let's just see how close I can come to crashing without crashing. I wonder how close I can get to this to be dangerous. Or how about a poisonous snake? I wonder how close I can get to the poisonous snake without him striking me on the leg. We stay far away from it. If we're wise and we want to honor God with sexual purity or anything in life, instead of getting as close to the line as possible, we want to create some margin. I love that verse from Song of Solomon, don't unwake, don't unwake, awaken love until the time is right. Some of you will say, well, Matt, you're so old-fashioned, you're out of touch. Remember our statement we made a few months ago? If you want to do what everyone else does, do what everyone else does. If you want to do what everyone else does, you'll likely have what everyone else does. But if you want something better, you might want to do something different. What does Boaz do? Back to our story in Ruth. Boaz treats Ruth honorably. She's at the foot of his bed. He doesn't push her to have sex. He respects her purity, and I'll show you why. Look at verse 11. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of this town know that you are a woman of noble character. You want me to be your kinsman redeemer? My answer is yes, I'll do that. But just understand, all of the people in my town know that you're a woman of noble character. I'm going to let them know that you've done the right thing. I've done the right thing. We're honoring God. So this is good news. Ruth has hinted, or more than hinted, that she's available, declares her love for Boaz. And Boaz is all in. He's ready to go. Now they can get married, and now they can live happily ever after. Unfortunately, not yet. Look at verse 12 and 13. Although it's true that I'm your guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I am. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, that's great. Let him redeem you. If he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Just lie here until the morning. In other words, I'm not legally the closest one. And therefore, there's someone else. So he says, stay here for the night. And in the morning, if the other guy wants to do it as his duty to be the guardian redeemer, then we're going to let him redeem you. But if he's not willing, as sure as the Lord lives, I'll do it. So what do we have here? We have an obstacle. There's another relative who has the legal right to be your guardian redeemer. Now, we're going to foreshadow what we're going to talk about next week. It gets really fun. This week's kind of weird. Next week's going to be a lot of fun. Because we're going to watch how Boaz schemes very wisely and shrewdly to overcome this, uh, this obstacle. We're going to see that the principle, we're going to see the principle that I love, ladies. If you do what it takes to get you, he'll do whatever it takes to keep you. So let's summarize what we've seen this week because I want to bring it down to a real tangible place. There's five big lessons that we've learned this week. Let's look at the first one. The first one is simply this. It's often wise to put yourself in the right place 
to increase the odds of meeting the right person. And I'm not just talking about someone from the opposite sex. In other words, if you're a follower of Jesus and you want to meet someone else who's a follower of Jesus, get involved in a strong faith community. The second lesson is this. Don't overlook those who are right in front of you. Oftentimes, there's someone right in front of you that God may want to do something special if you'll open up your eyes and see who's there. Sometimes, the third principle that we've learned is sometimes you have to go after what you want. I am so glad Michelle went after what she saw in this crazy basketball player in Minnesota. The fourth lesson is this, if, even if you don't get what you want, and even if you don't get it right, God still can make it right. For some of you, this is his word for you right now. Maybe in some relationships, there's some things that aren't where they should be. And maybe you've built your life on a foundation that wasn't as strong as it could be. And even if you don't get it right all the time, God is a redemptive God. He's a forgiving God. He's a gracious God. He's working in all things to bring about good for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. And then the final lesson is, if you want a life that honors God in the future, live a life that honors God today. Don't wait until later. You know, one day when I get married or I have kids, then I'm going to serve Jesus. No, be faithful to God today. Well, let's bring this home. So spiritually, we see that Boaz wants to be her guardian redeemer, her kinsman redeemer. But he's not obligated. He's not forced to care for Ruth. He wasn't a brother to her husband. Remember, she was a Moabite. She's not even from Bethlehem, but because Boaz loved her, what did he do? He chose to make a sacrifice for her. Here's what is incredibly powerful. I want you to notice this. Because of Ruth's one decision, remember in week one, to leave Moab and return to Bethlehem? Because of her one decision, and because of Boaz's one decision to commit, to pursue her, to provide for her, to protect her, because of her one decision, And because of his one decision, that led to a covenant of marriage that resulted in a son named Obed. Okay, cool. From Obed came our guardian redeemer, Jesus Christ. The son of God who is our savior, our king, and our Lord. In the same way, Jesus wasn't obligated to give his life for you. Because of his love. He chose to be stripped of heavenly glory and became a lamb of God who shed his blood and with slaying for the forgiveness of your sins and my sins. And after he gave his life, he didn't stay dead, but God raised him from the dead so that anyone, this includes you, and it doesn't matter what you've done, anyone who calls on the name of Jesus would be saved. Friends, Jesus, your guardian redeemer, his door is open. His heart is for you, telling you to come now. Remember, at the start of this message, I shared that it's time to define the relationship for Ruth and for Boaz. But how about us? Who is Jesus to us? 
Who is he? Is he some guy that you just read about? You got a casual commitment. You come to church when you can. Is he your Lord and Savior, your Redeemer, your King? My fear, and I don't know how else to say this, but my fear is that there are many of you that are just like you and me at different times where he's not first. We're not really into a relationship. He it's not really our Lord. He's just some guy. The guy up here that is talked about, I'm afraid that some of us are missing Jesus by about this much. Maybe 18 inches. You know about him in your head, but you don't know him in your heart because he didn't come to make you religious. He came to have a relationship with you. He didn't come for you to join a church. He came to set you free. He didn't come to make you follow a bunch of rules. He came to give you life and life to the full. His name is Jesus. His name is above every name. He is the King. He is the Savior. He's Redeemer. He's Lord. He's the Lamb of God. He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's coming back and one day He wants to know you. He wants you to know Him. So who is he to you? I wonder how many of you, it's it's simply your relationship with God has been passed down from generation to generation. It's your parents' relationship. It's a potential relationship. Friends, this relationship's all about healing. I wonder how many of us would actually go, I commit. Here's what I want you to recognize before I pray. Is you could be one decision away from seeing it change. One decision, confessing a sin, deciding to apologize, deciding to pray together, deciding to make church not something you do occasionally, but something you commit to. Deciding to get counseling, deciding to break up your dating relationship if it's not honoring God. One decision. Just like Boaz and Ruth, you need to define your relationship. Who is Jesus? If he says who he is in Scripture, the Son of God who gave his life so you could follow him, you've got to deal with that. See, our only reasonable response, and it really is highlighted in what Ruth did, take all of me. Be my guardian, redeemer. Be my Lord, be my Savior. Some of you might say this, I've messed up, I'm in a bad place. You come just as you are. You don't clean up first, you come to Jesus. It doesn't matter what you've done, when you call on him, he hears your prayers, he forgives your sins, and he'll make you brand new today. Let's pray. God, if I said anything that wasn't of you, take it from my friends' minds. God, in the next few minutes as you continue to speak, may we work to define what our relationship is with you. There is so much of Jesus in the book of Ruth. So much of what we see in the future with Jesus. How you didn't need to be our guardian redeemer. You didn't need to be our kinsman redeemer, but you chose to. And how you cover us just like Boaz covered Ruth. Lord, we love you. We ask all this in your name. Amen.